Howdy folks, it is Wednesday, December 14th, 2011, and this is a very special edition of the Bad Dog Book How Club. How many very special editions have this there been This is our now? first very special edition, I think. I think this may be our first, officially. maybe extra, especially. Extra special. special yeah, edition, edition. because we, we've had like maybe 15 editions of these type by now, but I don't know. Maybe I should explain myself to start sure, the show. Sure, sure, that's okay. I don't... Well, um, before I was heading back to, to Pennsylvania to spend some time with uh, with my, my family for the holidays, I was going to spend some time with Skip and give him the recording from our last discussion to upload. Which was also, the... which was exciting because yeah, it was, that was... it was a great discussion, too. I really liked the discussion. It was right. when we had um, Al Floor. Well, and... we, we haven't announced that yet. Yeah. But we did, we had some guest panelists mm-hmm. with us, yeah, which so. was a lot of fun. Great discussion, and yeah. I just plum forgot the microphone with the memory thing in it. So here right. we are with a special holiday Toons is Fucked Up edition oh, of the Bad Dog but Book that's Club. Okay. It's not the holidays without Toons is so Fucked Up. Yeah, but the memory stick is in T-Cat's house in Yeah, back in D.C., DC. I know. And that's okay. We can't when get when do you come back? I don't know. It'll be like, I don't know, like two weeks. Sometime a little bit after Christmas. Okay, so you know Christmas and New Year's. So we were like, okay, what can we do here? And I thought, you know, because we want to give you something before next week's story. And I thought, well, how about you know we talk? You know, we're we're especially we're heading into the holiday season. People are buying books for other people. You know, giving some gifts and stuff. And so maybe it's a good opportunity, partially for that, and partially just in general to talk about the kind of books or stories we might have read or be reading recently and really, like, that we like why not yeah yeah and or you know maybe pornography well right yeah i mean and yeah i think we're gonna yeah let's do some non-furry stuff too we should feel free to do that whatever we've been reading lately and you know so i don't think it's going to be a very long episode but we want to give you guys something and so maybe just a little bit of you know here's what uh tunes and skip read when they're not reading uh, Bad Dog Book Club stuff. What was the best book you read this year? Oh. Hmm. I think it might be The Diamond Age. The Diamond Age? The Diamond that? Was that Age. But you, you must read a lot of books in the year, by the way. So you're a very well-read dude, right? Um, hang on one second. For a person who, who proclaims himself a reader, I'm kind of a, a surprisingly lazy one. I actually spend most of my time reading stuff like The News, which isn't, you know, clearly obviously like a book, but you're, you're reading, you're processing text, and you're following a story almost in a way. Uh-huh. I almost feel like... Uh, like you know that 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 stereotype of like uh, suburban women like just glued to the television like I'm following my stories I'm following my stories that's how I feel like when I'm like opening the blogs mm-hmm. like no I'm following my politicians no I'm seeing how the votes went okay leave me alone I gotta see how the stories are going <laughs> but I mean that's how I that's how I, I've um I used my Kindle to get a subscription to the Washington Post. And so just having uh, the newspaper at my hand every day for the first time has been, you know, our, our, our Kindles, the thanks to the kind We thanked him 1,800 times. We had to thank him 18 yeah. times. Right, thanks, okay. Khaki Dog, really. It was great. So, yeah, The Diamond Age. It isn't new this year, but I read it this year. Okay. Um, and that's by Neil Stevenson, who it's a post-cyberpunk novel. Post-cyberpunk? Post-cyberpunk. 
I thought Cyberpunk was already in and of itself, like, post-tech. I guess, tech yeah. Cyberpunk's post-modern, and this is post-cyberpunk. I when it gets so bad, it's good again. I think like, so. everyone's already died off, but now the population's I don't know, like, up. Cyberpunk is... If you go to the original, like, Gibson Cyberpunk, or Neil Stevenson's first... It may be, in some ways, his, his best um, big novel, Snow Crash, which I still love, uh... Is, is good cyberpunk, but then, you know, we get, like, the movie, you know, more recent, like, movie cyberpunk, where it's just, like, ridiculous, you know, or kind of over-the-top and silly, you know, kind mm-hmm. of... Well, because they always have to throw in the, the cheesy graphics with it. Right. That can't quite stand up on their own. Yeah, so, I mean, I think... I, I, I think I'd argue that maybe Blade Runner cyberpunk... I've never seen it. You'll have to. Okay. I don't have to convince well, me that'll be one. That'll it. be one we'll watch, and one of, I. I don't know. They're like this one of those. There are like eight different cuts of it, and there's argument which is better. We'll watch oh, one okay, of the I cuts. See. Don't worry. Um, cut or uncut, which is better? <laughs> it's all. We always go back there on the Bad Dog Book Club, but uh, I don't think we have yet. It's not like a really an angry issue, is it? No, no. Uh, I can't quite get up the fervor. I can't get. I can't get upset about it. I'm oh no, like, we just got. Well, we just got a, like a dozen angry comments ourselves. I right think now. we did. I think we. Oh, did. Wow. You know, I. I guess I would say, I. I don't think parents should make that decision, but I don't care enough to be freaking out about it. You know, there are more important things in the world. I think maroon drapes look wonderful with orange walls. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is, this is cyberpunk, but I, I like, it's, I like a lot of, uh, adventure books, I think, with female protagonists, um, a lot of my favorite adventure books, so this has a strong female protagonist, and, and it's a hopeful, um, future book, too, you know, as such as there are problems and there are huge, you know, mega corporations, it's, it's a hopeful book. Mm-hmm as well and and really good so yes I, I think it's been out a couple years now but I, w- I would check it out the diamond age is definitely one of my favorites this year that i read i don't almost never read any contemporary books i mean could have you did you read any book that actually came out this year this year um trying to think you know, i know i, See, read I lose one. track of like when they come out I mean, uh, Glenn, Green, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald put out a new book, uh, Liberty and Justice for Summer, something like that. Mm-hmm. And hey, mm-hmm. I read that. That was brand new. But I mean, I don't really read contemporary fiction much. Mm, yeah. you, you, do you? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, it depends on what. I, sometimes it takes me a while to find it, I guess. I tend to think it is the most underappreciated genre because I tend to feel of the small number of people who do mm-hmm. read contemporary fiction, they gravitate toward the most popular titles so that, mm-hmm. you know, a very small number of people soak up all the attention. Right. And that generally people who like to read, they, they, they'll go out and they'll read classics from history that have gained a reputation over mm-hmm. time. Like, the best book I read this year was uh, End Zone by Don DeLillo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody's going to be surprised, like, oh, he found Don DeLillo and it was good for him. Cool. Like, no one's, no one's like, been amazed by this. I'm not breaking anybody's uh, mm-hmm. barriers here. I, 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 I found that it was a really good book. End Zone, uh-huh. yeah. cool. A couple I'm looking forward to. Like I know next year we're supposed to finally get a new um, Garth Nix book, and he does one of my favorite. Uh, it ended up being a trilogy, but like one of my favorite worlds um, in sci-fi, or I guess it's more fantasy of all time, 
which is uh, sort of these um, sabriel lyriel and the abortion, and it's this whole sort of like Scotland and England about the time of the Great War, World War One, but like where Scotland would be, it's this it's this Northern Kingdom where magic applies. Oh, magic. Um, and the rest of the world yeah, it doesn't. And Wait, so, so there's a magic deficit. Magic well, inequality. Well, there there are some interesting things because down in London, you know, where they're far away from the border, where there's magic, they really think the whole idea of magic is getting to be kind of preposterous at this point, and the government really doesn't believe in it, doesn't see you, what turns out uh, to be necromancy and stuff as a threat, um, even though these things are going on north of the wall in Anselstair. And, again... Doesn't that sound kind of like what's going three on Game strong of too, but female protagonist? Yeah, it is. It is three strong female protagonists. So female protagonists in each of them um, has one of my all-time favorite fictional characters, the disreputable dog. Is a personal dog. hero of mine. Is a trickster figure. Um, I, I mean, I love them. And he's work. He's Australian. He's an Australian writer. Does great stuff. He's working on another one. Of those, he finished up his days series, which are pretty good. I like them. They're not in the same class, I feel. But he's working on another one from this series, and it's supposed to be out next year. So I'm, so, I'm really excited about that. So the contemporary fiction you do read is science fiction, basically. A lot of times, yeah. Um, yeah that's yeah, one you thing, you know. I right, I subscribe. Asimovs. I have, I have a subscription to Asimovs, uh, and I'm still getting the paper, though I think that's about to expire. Um, and I on on the Kindle I have fantasy and science fiction, and I think I'm gonna get Asimov's on the Kindle instead. So this must show um, must show the respect we have for contemporary writers when you know the most of their efforts that we're digesting are uh, science fiction and furry pornography. But I love no, I mean I, 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 I hold think so much respect fiction, for this medium. Clearly, science fiction is a great medium, though. Really, I I think absolutely. Absolutely, I oh, think it doesn't yeah, we, get a lot of respect because often it's not the best. Is the it? well, often the it's flashiest the, science fiction is the most shallow. Just like, but I think that's true with a lot of fiction in general. You know, you were just saying that it's a few yeah. books get a huge amount of attention, and I think that's it's partially true. You know, good science fiction, like I said, as as the best science fiction deals with problems in the real world that are in a way that may be more approachable than dealing with them head-on or directly. And so it gets in there and gets people to think about things on a level that um, it doesn't instantly put up their walls. Right. Right. Yeah. And so here's this, you know, so I, you know, just reading this story that I just read in uh, Asimov's, and let me, let me get the title right in the author, because it, it really captivated me. Um, when I read this the other day, uh, was Murder Born by Robert Reed. And I don't know if I've read a lot of his stuff, but really neat. I guess almost a novella. Um, and I think it could totally be a movie. It would not surprise me, actually, having finished it, if this is a movie in a couple of years. But anyway. Isn't that the idea now is to try to write a story so good they have so. to make a movie Well, he it. said... It was rejected, you know, he, he kind of did up a thing as a you know, sketch for a novel for it, and all the major publishers rejected it, um, because they, a lot of them thought it was too uh, it was controversial, so he cut it down to basically as, as, cut it down as much as he could, 
and then sent it to story. magazines. Yeah, as as a long short story. This is in the February twenty twelve Asimovs. This is in yeah February twenty twelve Asimovs, um, but it's it's a little bit of an out there out there concept. But basically, it's there there are guys they're working on fusion and they end up you know leading. The experiments don't work right, but they have this other application for this device, which is a what is supposed to be a humane way um, to execute people because oh, it basically disintegrates them instantly. Holy bodily. Though yeah. what what happens, what ends up happening, and they don't really explain this in the story, and I don't know. I think if you've read the story, and I don't want to give too much away, maybe you could get into why or is this a, a problem, but. There's there's a basic explanation um, as and that through kind of quantum physics that these people are raised so thoroughly that you know if they're murderers the people they murdered come back huh? and that's kind of the concept so let's say you know guy this guy you know killed somebody twelve years ago. Right. Who was like killed a twenty-year-old woman twelve years ago, and he gets executed in this chamber today. She comes back instantly. Re- as he is instantly vaporized, she instantly apparates or appears. Right. Um, at age twenty, just as when she died. Right. Wherever she was, right before she was killed. So if we're executing him here in Washington, but she was killed in Iowa, she will appear so, more or less at the side of a road in right. Iowa at 20 years old, um, wherever she was. But it, just, it more or less represents the dream fantasy that by meeting out the punishment, you can take back the exactly the exactly. And the story is really fantastic because right, and on the level, it is the dream. You know, punishment or sort right. of capital or what? It, first, I mean, but one let me the, guess, it, it ends up casting a highly critical view of it. Well, no, one it doesn't. I mean, one of the levels it works on is what if capital punishment, instead of being a revenge thing, is a restoring thing, restoring you know the wrong, um, and and changing kind of how capital punishment functions and how countries treat it. So, like you mentioned at one point, that European countries had outlawed it. Renable it because it was this humanitarian thing to do this to bring the people back. Um, you know, the solar flies, but it, there are all these kind of questions that get raised, and then you know, there are people that are falsely accused and they get made by, and nobody reappears. Nothing happens. Um, and and so, and but it's all tied around this the main character is a photographer whose daughter gets killed um, when he's out of the country. And so the whole character is kind of around him, and he ends up, as a photographer, photographing people who come back in their lives. And Mm -hmm. just, I mean, it isn't, I don't know if it, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but just interesting ideas and in the story in a very short amount of space kind of explores, you know, sort of this fantasy and these issues and, and the repercussions. And, and it had a really satisfying ending, too. It sounds like something kind of constructed to tug at your heartstrings. It could have been, I think. And I for a while, I was a little worried 
that it's going to go for the easy kind of Hollywood ending. And, and that would be the fear if everybody made it into a movie, I think. But it doesn't. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, that cool. was kind of so yeah I, I i like i like short stories i mean we talked about this i think when we set yeah. up the book club i enjoy the form of the short story so i have a lot of fun reading things like asimov i think i prefer the short the short stories too and i kind of wish that uh they were more freely available mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of wish we, could, we were still in that era where you can subscribe to like widely popular yeah right because we had the things the, i mean there are short stories in say um you know, the New Yorker and stuff, but there, we don't have the era of kind of the serialized short story. We don't yeah. have anything like Sherlock Holmes appearing in clearly, The clearly Strand for, for, and everybody would go out and buy yeah. the copy so they could get the latest Sherlock Holmes story. Clearly the technology exists, but the pop culture doesn't. Right. That's what I want. It'd be cool to, it, like, to, to be able to just hang out with people like, hey, do you guys read the um, latest installment of What's It Called? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just gab about that, like, for 10 minutes at yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah. People don't do that with anything they read anymore. That's what yeah. frustrates me. It's like it's it's fun to read, but it's it's yeah. more fun to chat about, and just nobody. Well, that's why we like doing this. The book that, club, uh, we get to chat yeah. about them, right? Uh, yeah, it all comes back around. Like, it all comes back around. Chat about it until we forget the memory. What else have you been reading? What have I been reading? Yeah. Well, I I write right. I've been reading mostly political things lately because mm-hmm. it's now uh, less than a year until the presidential elect uh, mm-hmm. election, and I I, I realized I more or less run on a presidential election cycle. So every four years, I become incredibly hyped up about this incredibly important event. And it's like, there's like, it's like, it's like uh, four Fourth of Julys and Christmases packed together into one holiday I genuinely enjoy and get pumped for. Mm-hmm. And I'm already starting to feel it. So I, I, I've been reading... Um, I like the election. I, I don't know. I like it when I get, when we get further into it, but I'm not... I don't you know. Can't even I, I watch don't want to fucking debates. That's the thing. Like you I don't like, like any of angry. them. I think if they if it was a democratic primary season, I'd probably I might be watching the debates already because Honestly, there'd be people I'd actually be trying to decide between. Whereas the Republicans, I know uh, every time they you know half the time. Oh, I'm not gonna get it. Well, the, it, well, <laughs> the, the, the argument I'm making is that maybe in past past years that might have been the case, but mm-hmm. this year they're more or less just eating their 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 young. Mm. on the debate stage just watching them implode oh, and yeah. also explode around each other is like it's pretty amazing it's 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 just somewhat and i think i just think uh it's gonna inevitably lead to like ron paul winning the iowa caucus and nothing could be funnier no so you've been reading political stuff and yeah. you're on non-fiction that's something we don't talk about obviously on the book club off it is non-fiction because mm. well right now we don't have a lot of furry non-fiction and I'm sure at some point there'll be more treatises on it and whatnot, <laughs> and, and maybe we could talk about that too, but no, it's not a terribly, or at least terribly worthwhile amount. I don't think we need to be talking about the Vogue article or anything like that. The Vogue um, article? Oh, yeah, yeah, there was, a, there was an article. I think it was Vogue did a, you know, one of these, like, tell-all... Oh, tell-all furries. furries. Yeah, yeah. Furries are cool now. I mean, we just furries established this. Furries are cool now, yeah. Now it's old hat, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's interesting here. What, what's the nonfiction reading? I've been on a um, naval history kick, which is one of my Incredible. reading hobbies. Any specific? You know, I've got a lot. Of, if history? you go in, I mean, here, guys, just to let you know the kind of person I am, we have 
hundreds of books in the house. Oh, clearly. I mean, they're, like, crawling up the walls. Yeah. I can see them. Yep. Yep. And literally, you know, in the bedroom, the whole wall on one side is bookshelf. Uh, and, and I have, I do have it, and we have other ones scattered around the house as well. And I do have nonfiction and fiction, and I have nonfiction anthropology, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm divided into sections here. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I have anthropology, obviously, but one of the things I have is I, I like naval history, especially British naval history, but I've been doing some U.S. naval history on my Kindle the last couple months. So I've read uh, Six Frigates, which is about the formation of the early American Navy during World War, or bleh, during uh, the War of 1812, the First World War. Incredible. Um, I've been reading about, uh, you know, the U.S. campaign in the Pacific. And so just, you know, kind of feeling something. I've been reading about um, British battleships during the first world war uh so yeah i've been i've been enjoying i've been on a little british naval british and american naval kick lately cool military history is uh i think what most people like to read about when it comes to world history Hmm. but i could never get it down I guess I'm in, I'm in a, you know i definitely have a niche for it Uh, I, i have a couple history niches um if in general a lot of British history, but I, I love the Royal Navy, so you know specifically focused on the Royal Navy and other navies. I don't know. I've always been interested. When I was in high school, I did all those little, you know, airfix battleship models. You know, the plastic. Well, I can, ones I can absolutely see that. Yeah. You putting together these little. <laughs> model yeah. ships in your room. One six hundred scale, the you know HMS Hood and the you know, repulse and that kind of stuff, and it was good times. <laughs> I also had uh, plastic models of Star Trek ships hanging on monofilament from hooks on the ceiling too. <laughs> of course, of course, super cool guys, super cool. Yeah. Oh man. Um, oh, other fiction I've been reading is uh, some, some more sci-fi, but Connie Willis and her latest um, time travel books, which is uh, Blackout and All Clear. It's a two-part book. It's one big novel, but it's set um, during the Blitz in London in 1940. And it's this whole world is people from the future, Oxford, about 100 years in the future, maybe, I guess. Um, time travel's been discovered. And so anthropologists and historians go... Well, historians, basically, the profession is now like anthropology is now, where they go back in time and blend in and study um, how people are living their lives or getting through this point in history. Or how certain mm-hmm. kinds of people. So where there's, porn. where there's a gap. Yeah, it is kind of. It is no, it's kind of, exactly what it is. In is that exactly world. what it is? Yeah. So I don't know. I like the concept and their rules about it. You know, it kind of described to some of Einstein's theories. So there, nobody can change anything mm-hmm. huge. But they're a little not. bit like their law. They're a little bit like Asimov's laws of robotics. You know, where it's like they're the three laws and they're never broken except the stories are all about how one of the laws is broken and then 
what is the logical reason that law was broken. And, and the time travel works a little bit like that in Willis's books, too, where the laws aren't broken, but they appear to be. And you find out here's the logical reason why it, it, it wasn't actually breaking the law. Interesting. But they're really good. And she's one, I mean, these time travel books... Um, well, the two big, I don't know if you know, the two big science fiction awards um, are the Nebulas and the Yugos for writing. And they're kind of voted by different sets of people in the, in the community. But those, and she's won, um, these books have won, I think, both. Um, and several of her other books have won both. So they're, they're well-written, and they're engaging, and they're kind of thoughtful, um, a lot of them, too. So, I don't, those, those would be other ones I'd recommend. Connie Willis is good stuff. Anything other than science fiction? Is that pretty much all you read? That's a lot of what I read. Yeah, um, I can believe it. I picked up the, the new um, Barbara Kingsolver, The Lacuna, uh, which is supposed to be good, though I haven't started it yet. But What's that? I hear that's supposed to be good. I, I don't know. I can't it's tell not sci-fi. Can't, it's not sci-fi, though, I don't believe. Oh. Normally here stuff isn't, but I haven't read this one. I could, I could be totally wrong, and it's like mad sci-fi. <laughs> but normally Barbara Kingsolver's stuff isn't. Um, but no, you I might like, just like, attract I sci-fi, sci-fi like a gravitational pull. Well, I, you know, I think everybody has genres that they're particularly fond of. Um, or, you know, speak to them. And, and I mean, I, I like his, you know, I, one of my favorite, you know, book series is, are the, you know, Patrick O'Brien, you know, Master and Commander, those books, uh, which are not sci-fi. They're historical fiction, I guess, if that's a genre, because they're set during the yeah. Napoleonic Wars. Um but I don't see, you know, some, I don't know, it's, it's so yeah, there's, there's some non-sci-fi that I'm particularly The problem with historical fiction is people are talking about uh, books, and I, I, I have no sense of understanding of what, what, the, what, the, what these books are, and then they're putting them in the frame of reference of historical uh, happenings, and I also still have no understanding what those ah, historical see, happenings I'm, I'm are. A, I'm a, so it's like, I'm twice getting fucked over here. See, like, really, thanks. like, oh, if I run damn. across something like that in a book... I will stop and pull up Wikipedia if I'm interested and look up, you know, what is this thing they're talking about here? If I don't know it. I, mean, I am a, I am a history buff, so often I do, but I will stop. Well, you know, there is that thing when you're reading books, and what's that point? I think we all have it where it's like, nope, too much work, you know, to go find out what the hell they're talking about here or meaning. Like, for me, it's when you read novels or whatever, and they have... You know, somebody will just spout out something in French, say, yeah, German, and there's no translation. No, I was like, well, I guess they spoke French. Yep, yeah. It's like, well... They spoke French. I'm glad you speak French, <laughs> sir. You know, it's like... It's like, I know Latin and Spanish, but I don't rub them in your face, well, like, Thank goodness we have Google Translate now. Yeah, I know. But th- that always bothers me in books. That little, like, oh, just gonna whip out random foreign language for a few lines. But you all know what that is, dear reader, even I though always, the rest of the book's in English. I always like that, because I figured that's just mean, oh, I can, I can just, my eyes can just skip this section of the page mm-hmm. and take a rest. Oh, like two it's, a, it's a built-in break. It's a little rest, like a little bump. That is interesting, and I would, for our listeners, if any of you guys are still listening to this unorthodox episode, 
Um, I would be interested. Any of you who write uh, in in and I assume maybe you're. Well, I'm gonna get say anybody who is writing in a language other than their first language. Um, this is talking with Khaki, for instance, uh, or um, another friend of mine, uh, Rajan, who who's Finnish, talking about they they both write in English, and why is that? And I was talking with. That's part of it. That's a big part of it. But that's not what they told me first thing. Um, I also had kind of continuous conversation with a client of mine who was a interpreter for the UN, uh, among mm-hmm. other things, and French English interpreter. Um, English is so much more of a precise language, is what all three of these people told me, that they can express exactly what they mean in English much more easily than in their native language. And so I thought, well, that's a very strange thing. And they said one of the things they pointed out is English has something like 700,000 words in it. The number two language is German, which has about Mm 125,000. And and that's the number two, you know, so anything else. So, So this interpreter for the UN was telling me, she's like, oh, yes, if there are, you know, this word... And we have, well, obviously, words in English that can have multiple meanings. But there aren't, it isn't every word, and there are eight different meanings. But she said there can be, you know, quite a few words in French where you have to go completely on the context of the sentence. Or maybe even infer it from the context of the surrounding sentences because the word can have so many meanings. Or to get a simple point across where in English there'd be a single word to express this idea, you might have to use an entire phrase in French. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was very, and I'd be wondering, you know, as long as this little language aside, uh, any of our writers or readers who maybe are writing or reading in another language, what you think about that. Or if you're writing in another, a language other than your first one, why? And what, what advantage does that give you? Um, and is it just a matter of, well, most of the audience is English? Yeah, I do see German you're stories. You're just trying to milk our audience for information right I now. Am, I am, I am. It's interesting. Interest. I am. Clearly. Uh, I do see stories in German on Sofurry occasionally. Really? Yeah. But that's, that's I think, the only one I've ever really seen on Sofurry other than English. I know a friend of mine who writes in uh, French. Oh, yeah? And then translates it into, into English. Mm-hmm. That's the only example I can cite, though. Is he a native French speaker? Yeah. Uh-huh. Gross. Croissant F.A. And then he, and then he, but he, so he writes out the whole story in French, and then does he translate it in English himself, or does yep. he have somebody he else translates do it, it for him? Mm-hmm. Translates it himself, and I think he was bouncing it back and forth with some of his English-speaking friends yeah. just to make sure it sounds That's natural. a good idea, because even if you've got it right, you know, occasionally the, you'll read translated stories where the idioms don't quite work. Um, you know, or you read a story and it's like, okay, it takes me a second to get, but nobody would say, or no, or somebody would have said that in 1890 in Wyoming, but probably not here in, yeah. in Washington, D.C. in 2011. So, yeah, it's good to have a native speaker check things over for you. So, well, I mean, do you, do you want to give me a challenge or what, you know, what book I should read next that isn't 
science fiction or fantasy. Huh. I don't know. And, and not poly. Like I was trying wise. to figure out what fiction I wise. should be reading next. Fiction-wise. Fiction-wise. Mm-hmm. Huh. I really don't know because I've been trying to, trying to expand my horizons myself mm-hmm. in terms of fiction, but I don't know. I mean, it's just so easy to be turned off by things, I, I, I think. Because uh, it's so, so much of an investment to read a whole damn story, but it's so much <laughs> easier. It's so much easier just to read the news and be pissed off by that. That's how I feel. It's I mean, that's kind of lazy. You like short stories too, you know. Yeah, but I'm replacing that with with like thousands of long news articles. There is nothing worse than getting to the end of a story or a novel and the ending just is a big fuck you somehow. Like, or the ending just pisses you the off. The end to the first Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sucks. Yeah. It sucks. It's a horrible <laughs> ending. Aww. It just ends. Like the book ends. Like the yeah. book is the book is going on and then it ends. That's how the, that's how the book ends. It's kind of what I feel like. You know, watching uh, Holy Grail. You know, the the <laughs> Holy Grail where, drags on forever. I don't even remember where, how it does. Where it. the ending comes. Well, the policemen come out and arrest everybody. Right. At the climactic battle, and it took me quite a while to appreciate anything about that. I think. I love the rest of the movie, and I'd always be kind of pissed off that it ended with the police showing up. Now I appreciate it more, I think, than I used to. Um, but, yeah, no, there's nothing worth... And in a short story, if you get to the end and something stupid happens, which in in this issue of Asimov's, actually, there was a story like that. You're like... Damn, that pisses me off. But, right, it's only half an hour of your life, and who cares? But if it's a novel that you get to the end of, and in the last chapter they do something that just is so stupid, well, then it's a little more serious. Yeah, if you're dissatisfied with the novel by the end of it, it's like, oh, kind of like you want to see Jay Edgar and didn't like it. I hate hate when they have a really good novel, and then right at the end, because I've had that a couple times, where it's, like, really great, and then the ending just destroys it. You know, just leaves this awful taste in your mouth. It's like, oh, I hate that book. And I loved it so much, and now I hate it so much more. <laughs> and, yeah, those are the worst. Oh, well. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'll look for some uh, other things, you know. But I, I've got a whole bunch of... Well, there's another historic... I was going to say, there's not sci-fi, but it's another historical fiction. The Hangman's Daughter, which is set in Germany after the Thirty Years' War. So that's pretty historical. But I think it's supposed to be like a mystery. Mystery? Um, yeah, I've been getting into it so far. It's pretty good. That's cool. Yeah. And I think... The best book I read this year, other than Enzo and Bandon DeLillo, that I want to recommend for authors was... Uh, it was one of the autobiographies of Helen Keller. The one called, like, The World I Live In or uh-huh. something Yeah, like I've that. read that. Yeah. I've read that. Did I mention that on the, on the podcast no. at some point? Uh-huh. Uh, what I think writers could take away from this is specifically how she uses uh, touch mm-hmm. and... How did I just blank out? Oh. Well, that's touch a really in interesting point. You taste, know, uh, actually, touch and taste is to construct mental images of, of her, her surroundings. I think a lot, uh, a lot of writers become overly dependent on images that are just visual. Yes. Because, uh, and especially uh, also images that uh, rely on audio. Yeah. Ends up coming out flat. That's a good point. I think a lot of times, especially, I mean, Varn is too, where you read a character who's supposed to be. Because there are a lot of people like, oh, I'm going to inject a character who's blind, you know. Because why not? Right. And, and 
for whatever reason. And, right, it's clear that they don't know somebody who's blind and haven't sat down no, to talk to them. Not even that, that but, but, you, but you read a story by somebody and it's just all, everything that is described is like somebody watching it happen mm-hmm. or somebody hearing it happen. Right. That's the only way people seem to gather information in this story. And it, mm-hmm. It's just kind of um, a cloistering effect. I think reading, furry I think. actually is maybe a little bit, or at least a lot of story furry stories are a bit of an exception to that because people do stop to think about what would this be like for a fox, and you know, adding things like taste and smell into the equation more. So I think maybe the fact that people are stopping for a minute to write for you know a fox guy. They do stop and and try to put themselves a little bit more in the head of their protagonist in a different kind of sensory framework. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but I think often it does, and more often than the average story, non-furry story. I can't say. I I think it's usually pretty pathetic, really. Yeah. (laughs) Like being really mean for our special holiday episode. Yeah. Wow. Such a wonderful, upbeat time of year. You can yeah. tell I love the holidays. Well, are there any books you want for, or reading you want for oh. Christmas? I, you know, I was telling people just to get Amazon.com gift cards because I can yeah. just, if, if I got a hundred thousand dollars on Amazon, I've been going pretty crazy on yeah. I, I've been going pretty crazy on Kindle orders because it, it's so easy too. You know, like oh, I just want to read this. No, whatever. Yeah, buy this book and there you go. No. Um, I just I always end up getting books for Christmas, but mm-hmm. it's never books I wanted to read. So I just said, just give me gift cards for this, right? Then, so you can pick out the books. Yeah, oh well, well, yeah. but, oh, we'll see. Okay. Um, I will. Let's see. I think I will tell you. Can I? Can I give you a book to read? Can I tell you a book to read? What do you want me to read? Uh, how about one of these Garth Nix books? Because they don't take very long. More sci-fi. It's, it's the fantasy one. It's the... The fantasy one? Yeah, yeah. That's even the worse. The necromancer one. I know, oh but it's goodness. good. It's really good. Can I have you read Lyriel by Garth Nix over the break? I think you might like it. We'll, we'll go with the negotiations. Okay. What, you can tell me the to read... The readers you How about we will, read we will do an awful. official trade. <laughs> I can name a book for you to read, and you can name a book for me to read, and I, I will read it. I don't pressure you into reading anything. No, that's okay. I think you should. <laughs> Should I pressure you into reading? I think you should. <laughs> what do you want me to read? I will read it. Or and you will read twice. my book. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, mean, I don't seriously, have a, a book, a book that you like, that you know, something you and you want me to read. You want to share it? Oh, I'm shy for offering recommendations. What am I? What am I? What am I thinking? Uh, I tried to get you to read. Um, what was that book? We meant well. That book about the. Uh, Iraqi, no, he wasn't. It was the American no, State Department fiction, worker. Fiction, fiction, fiction. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez, I'm crying. I was just reading Kurt Vonnegut mostly. I was trying to reread Galapagos most recently, mm-hmm. and then I'm getting stalled halfway because yeah. I lost the damn book. That's a real quick. Oh, that's really? an easy one. By the way, I'm celebrating the DC Library Amnesty program. They got rid of all my goddamn book fees. So yeah, I can man. read the books again. You're gonna let him out of library Hell prison. Yeah. <laughs> no more debtors' prisons for me. No more debtors. <laughs> It wasn't my fault the books got stolen. I mean, come on. Yeah. Then I'll have to send it to you on the Kindle because I don't want to lend you a book because go, it'll go missing or you'll leave it in Pennsylvania or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. I can't be trusted. So I better buy it for you for Kindle. 
but I'll no, find a way should, to lose the data. Lend, you should lend me a book and tell me to read it. I have to think of something. I don't know. Mm. Read some Don DeLillo. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta send me the. You know, we won't announce it here, obviously. But you gotta send me a specific book or tell me to read a specific book. Not like some of this or whatever. No, I mean, uh, you gotta think about it and say this is a great book. I think you should read it. Read Post Office by Charles Bukowski. You're serious. Because he works for the post office and he's angry all the time. I think that's kind of funny. And you know what? We're not going to have a time in the future where you can work for the post office and be angry all the time because you're going to have to work for the email. Right. And be angry whenever yeah, the I do up. work for the email. Yeah. I, <laughs> I Skip, we, uh, I tried to turn on my computer and I looked and the, the cables are connected. I checked that and the modem, it, it was down, and you know I just thought I'd call you. Yep. Skip, I just thought I'd call you. This is this is what I do, folks. So yeah, Spencer is highly amused by the calls I get from my clients um, while I, he's over here. It, 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 what what's funny to me is it makes it feel like it's a ruse because they just so deeply misunderstand like all the technology. Yes. And, and they call wanting help with like the most basic, simple things, and then you can charge them for it. Oh, like I should have. Oh, I do like, help them with it. It's almost like they're paying you to be young. <laughs> like well, here, be, be be like at least four decades younger than me, so that you can understand how this computer works. Like, what did you tell me today? This person's like, Skip. I needed a new computer to play video games on. Mm-hmm. Um, would four thousand dollars be all right for right. that? And I was like, Holy shnikes! <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, you know, it's like you could Did buy you a super like a car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could buy a supercomputer for $4,000 these days. Yeah. So, or the uh, lady who, who who wanted a laptop that would last for 10 years. Yeah. Even like, you can't yeah. get a laptop that'll last for 10 years. It's like, well, you could, but you would be stupid to do so. Yeah. Anyway, that's oh, exciting wow. time. So, well, anyway, uh, you know, this is we got um we we did our little temp episode. We got a short one that I think Alex I'm sorry, is going to read for us next week. So probably, you know, guys, we we haven't looked too hard at this, and I have family coming in. You're with family. Um, we will try to do a remote discussion uh, the week after next, but with a holiday, no promises. We will do our best. You may have to wait until you're back in town. Things just a little sketchy so we'll for the end of the year, I suppose. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's a crazy time this time of year, but we will do our best. Um, and then, yes, when you get back in town, yeah, we will have our discussion to um, upload something. Yeah, we haven't read anything yet. We don't have to make another story after nightlife. Well, I think Alex is gonna read that. Uh, read a story for us oh. uh, next week. Wonderful. Yeah, but we have to. We have the There's discussion you forgot in, in DC. What's with that? Our guests. We have to release that still. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So yes, for those of you tuning in to hear a discussion of last week's story, you will still get that. We will still release that. You just gotta wait a couple weeks. Also, we're sorry if you're confused by now. Yeah, I'm very confused. But Merry Christmas. Me always. Hey, Happy Holidays and. Yeah. Let's also cover all of next year's too. Happy all of next year's holidays. Really? Okay, yeah. Sure. So I that's covered. I can get behind that. I'm gonna be silent through all of 2012. Oh really? This is gonna be a really bad I podcast if you're silent all throughout 2012. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm saying I already covered all of my season's greetings okay. for the coming year on this podcast mm-hmm. right now. Don't expect me to, on Valentine's Day. Not on on 
St. Patrick's All Day. All right, Scrooge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. Hey, hey, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everybody. They'll hopefully be back before uh, New Year's. And uh, we, I've got Bun's family coming in. You're going to be up in Pennsylvania. But you'll be back before New Year's. And hopefully you'll be at our party. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, have a good one, folks. And thanks for putting up with this very, very <laughs> special, extra special episode. Rather wonderful. Yes. Splendiferous. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs>